0: Hi, I'm Otto.
1: Welcome to Erin Sarah's podcast.
2: Okay, so I wanna I wanna get right into this and just explain kind of who you are. I am like very excited to have you specifically on. Okay, yep.
0: very. I'm like I feel like a fangirl. I'm very excited, I am, and the people I mentioned that we were having you on to were also very excited.
1: Yeah, um, I couldn't. I couldn't believe people were corresponding with me. I, how did you find out about me? I, well, I,
0: mean, I, I was just going to say it. So
2: basically, my so our mom is uh, is very active on Instagram. She never posts anything, but she hits up me and my sisters and all of our friends with DMs. She sends a lot of videos around. Uh, she's just a she's obsessed with like learning things on Instagram. She, she's constantly trying to better herself and better us. Oh, she, I love her. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so she sent me a video of yours, I don't know when it was, six months ago. And it was a video that you made where you talked about
0: how um significance breeds resistance. Significant. Uh, yes, yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, basically anything you resist persists. So like most of us want, you know we have a tendency biologically to want to be comfortable all the time. And um I don't think we're built for safety.
2: What I really got from the video was how when a point you're trying to make that you really want people to agree with, the more important you put on getting people to agree with you, the less they are going to agree with you.
1: That's right, because you're resisting their disagreement rather than embracing it.
2: Yes. Yes. And that is so. something that immediately I, it jumped out at me and then I started going down a rabbit hole watching videos of yours. And my first thought was he would be such an amazing guest on our podcast and potentially just very helpful because Sarah and I work together and we argue all the time about how to lead. And um <laughs> I DM'd you and I and you just gave me the cold shoulder for a long time. <laughs> I did not hear back. You didn't see it.
1: You, you were in the void, man. I I I'm first off, I'm trying to get over my boomerness because my kids are always educating me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that like if you're not a if if I you don't know, follow me or something, it was over on the in this in this like hey somebody sent you this message and i looked and saw and then i I thought who's this and then i went to your site and i watched a bunch of your videos and well i'm gonna contact
2: oh well i appreciate it and i forgive you for ignoring me it was very cool move on your part um okay so for 30 years you have been a transformationalist which is a word i've never heard before i'm assuming that means spell it you help well i'm looking at the word writing so it'd be easy for you to spell okay if i covered up the paper No, I don't want to. I'm a very bad speller. Uh, That you're helping people transform. I'm assuming that's what that means. Um, And you're and you've been developing executive leaders and their teams to generate high performance cultures. And you specialize in causing results through transforming executive leaders and their managers into world-class coaches and advising organizational change management, turnarounds, coaching, training startups, conflict, conflict resolution is a big one I wanted to d- dig into today. It's a
1: big one for us. I, think I make a, that's probably my mainstay conflict resolution because I'm doing culture blending and yes. you know, all kinds of, like somebody, one company buys another company and they have different cultures. And so there's all kinds of conflicts.
0: Yes. So we really, we got a lot of questions from people. Oh my God. Um, Maybe more questions than we've gotten in a long time. I couldn't
1: believe how many people were looking at my videos. Like they were watching them and then they started following me. I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs)
0: Well, well, but I think we can all agree that the way that we interact with one another, the way that we communicate, the tools and our own personal issues that we bring into conversations and to conflict are so detrimental to resolution. Mm -hmm. Like if we had the tools to communicate properly, you and I would fight less. I would disagree less with coworkers, with whoever. I mean, there are tools that exist that we just, I think we just don't have them. But well, you definitely can, don't have them,
1: and we could talk about this because some things some of us think that because there's tension, there's a problem, but there are natural tensions. So, for instance, um, there are paradoxes that you we have to navigate whenever we're working with somebody, whether it's you two working together or it's a team of people working together. But there are tensions, like for instance, there's the tension between asserting your own needs and helping other people with their needs, mm-hmm. right. So if you think of it like a graph, like a vertical axis it would be asserting your needs. And then the horizontal axis on the graph would be, you know, um, helping others with what they have and what they're accomplishing. And what happens is a lot of times, particularly strong leaders, they'll help people and not assert their own needs and then have to dominate later on to catch up with their work. And and like, it's a tension. How much do I assert my own need and, and look for that? How much do I go after helping others like so there's a number of tensions like that like Mm -hmm. when you're coaching somebody how much do you long on you know it's warmth and empathy and the and the and the the paradox is enforcing so you're going to enforce what matters but you also want to be warm and empathic you want to create affinity and so and there's always a tension there how people tend to wait longer to enforce so they get permissive and then when they enforce People don't understand why they're enforcing because they didn't say anything. Right. So, so then they they're t- very
2: aggressive when they do enforce.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and when they do enforce, they're aggressive because they feel like the person that they didn't correct took advantage of them. But the person they didn't correct didn't know. They mm-hmm. they usually they think, well, no feedback must mean I'm doing well. Right. right? And so there's these tensions that there's lots of them.
2: So can you tell us a little bit just of your background how you got into this work before we kind of start dumping a bunch of questions yeah. on you?
1: Sure. My, uh, my mother, I, I, it started when I was a kid. I believe, you know, when you look back in your life, you go, oh, this is where it started. Mm-hmm. And usually a gift gets started because of either a very powerful vision of what you want or a deep wound. Mine came out of a deep wound. I, my mother was a manic depressive schizophrenic. And, and so uh, I learned to talk with her. Uh, and learned to communicate with her and became very much a go-between from the time I was about 12 to I was 18. And then, you know, a lot of scars in that period, a lot of disappointments. And then I, I got, uh, went through a whole thing with drugs and, you know, gang kind of doing, you know, you know, criminal stuff. A lot of you,
2: you can talk about it here. You're this a bad okay. Dan, Dan's a bad boy.
1: Yeah, I was a bad boy. I like it. <laughs> and, uh, And um, I, some of my friends, you know, got hurt, killed, arrested, and I realized, you know, I'm going to die before I'm 30 if I don't get straight. And all the work I had done in the hospital and my mother, I got very acquainted with at a very young age, Eslan and a lot of the human potential movement. Then I went through the human potential movement in the early 70s and took to it in the late 70s and took to it and started to work with them as I came out and I kind of, developed, uh, did, I read probably three or four books a month, you know, I, you know, I've been doing that since I was a kid. And so I like to educate myself. And then I put my, I, you know, I went through all the kind of recovery stuff, got my head right, and um, started developing my own approaches. And from what I'd learned, both, in you know, in my travels with my mother and all my reading, and then in the human potential movement, I worked for Lifespring for years. And I've had the privilege of working with people like Werner Erhard. And Then I went off and did my own thing and uh, had my own view, my own vision.
0: I think it's important to acknowledge, too, you and your partner, you know, you guys are, you're dealing on a daily basis with, like, high-level executives. This is not like a little mom-and-pop shop. Like, no, you guys, no. and I won't name some of the CEOs that I know personally who you guys work with, but you're, like, in the trenches with some, like, major ballers that I can't even fathom the kind of conflict that, yeah,
1: we, <laughs> that's what we we've gotten ourselves deep into it and we love our work. So I I love the work I'm doing. And we've been very effective. So that's how we've gotten, you know, one CEO or one executive team will refer us to another. And and we've actually we have some great clients.
2: What's so, your favorite part of it?
1: The people. I really enjoy. I I like seeing people break through, you know. I like see seeing people take risks. That they never would take before because they realize, hey, look, this is I only live once and this is my vision and I'm, you know, there really is no safe way, there is no safe path. Mm-hmm. So, but there is an honorable path and it's very rewarding. And so I love seeing people take that and just put themselves completely in their work and uh, watching that and being part of that is honorable. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a I blast. feel like
0: you talk a lot about being good leaders and I think people associate being a good leader with being the boss, but I think it's really interesting that you don't have to be the boss to be a good leader. And I think well, I would just love to hear from you what what the characteristics are of what a good leader looks like. Aaron tells me regularly, I am a terrible leader. That's true. So <laughs> we should we should but like, we should really talk about no, that because it. we have different, sure. her and I have different views on, you know, I'm, Erin, I feel like is very, and we'll dive into her and I a little bit later, but okay, I'll let you answer that. What, what to you are the characteristics of a good leader?
1: Well, it, it's a really tough question, but the thing mostly a, a good leader is, first off, knows how to follow and knows when to follow. One of the best, if I can, I guess the best metaphor I could give you is if you, I've studied a lot of how they train um, special forces. And like if you want to become, if somebody wants to become SEAL Team 6, it's, there's different levels. But by the time you get to be SEAL Team 6, they've got $30 million invested in you. And the one thing they're looking for is this, that under pressure, what do you do? Do you turn inward and try to protect yourself, or do you turn outward and and work with the team? Do you turn towards people? And a, a good leader will move towards their people, will will um, include them in the process, and and resource their their intelligence and their creativity rather than try to be the answer person, man or woman. Uh, great leaders are great listeners and they're resourceful and they they have the vision in mind but they're also they're they're um, truth seekers they're looking for reality and they know that you can have a great vision but if you don't have you're not connected to reality then you're going to get lost you're anything you do won't have power because you're not going to be acting on what is so they're truth tellers and they they want to hear the truth so, you know, and, and, you know, if leadership was easy, more people would be doing it. But When we look up, you can see that there's a lot of poor leadership out there. It's hard to find good leaders. Mm-hmm.
0: Who do you feel like, obviously, we've read, you know, we've read the biographies. We're, we're well-versed in a lot of the, the, the front-facing, well-known CEOs. Who would you say, is there someone that comes to your mind that goes, that was an amazing leader? That's a good question
1: you know, believe it or not, for me, Steve Jobs was a great leader.
0: Yeah. He empowered because, everybody around him.
1: Well, he he was a mess at first. And then he, you know, the guy just kept getting up and he corrected. Um, and he left a, a great legacy. But, you know, he was a de- disaster at first. <laughs> he was a horrible leader. I mean, he, he was burning everybody up around him. And then when he, you know, he, he learned the lessons. The guy humbled himself. Uh, I think he was really in it to win it. You know, like he was in it like, like the quality of the product, the the impact on the on the on the user that was a big deal for him, and you know, you could see because he, he didn't need much to live, so it was it was quite quite, quite interesting to watch in the in the last half of his life, right?
0: And it felt like he was not. I mean, I just I read the book, you know, like everybody yeah. else. I, I never met him, but it also felt like. He wasn't afraid to walk away. I'm someone who I'm terrified to say no. I'm a terrified. I'm terrified to walk away because I'm like, well, what if I'll never get another opportunity? What if this is the best it's going to be? And someone like him was not afraid to to walk away. Yeah, that's something yeah. that Sarah and I always have issues with. Is
2: like when in work in, in work situations, if I feel like someone has disrespected us, isn't being um, fair in a working relationship, um, I go. I'm gonna call them out on it, and I'm gonna end our relationship. Not like I'm like one and done. Well, a little bit one and done. I probably walk. I might. I might walk away a little too fast. But I'm ready to walk away if something doesn't feel compatible or healthy for me. And Sarah immediately goes like, "No, no, 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 no! no. We can't say that to them. And we can't. What if they? What if this? What if that? And I'm like, "Bitch, let's just stand up for ourselves. Like, if this person disrespects us. And it's not I'm not saying a, an employee. I'm saying like if we have an outside person outside counsel, somebody that we've hired to work with us to work for us, and we don't think it's uh, working. um Sarah is very like frozen and afraid to stand up for ourselves and w- is willing to let that person. Um, control the conversation or have it their way because she's afraid of the backlash. Well, I
0: I think I also, too, I really want to be liked. I'm really afraid to not be liked. I'm really afraid for people to say, like, I think people said that I was a bitch for so much of my life that I've really tried to correct and I've really tried to not be that person that I probably was in my early 20s. So I'm terrified of that. So I, didn't, I, th- I actually didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh, I feel like I've said that. No, I didn't know
2: uh, that that you knew everyone said that about you for so long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, you know, I
2: didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that it bothers you. <laughs>
1: I've listened to, I love your podcast, by the way. I, just, I think you guys are <laughs> Oh, thank, thank you. you. But to what you're saying, you know, there's a place for that bitch. And if you put her in the right place, like a big part of what we do is we tell people, look, we ask do you, how many of you want to change when we're working with people and they'll raise their hand and we'll tell them we have good news and we have bad news. And, and we ask them what do they want first because people who want the bad news first usually tend to be more truth seeking and they'll say bad news usually and we'll say, okay. I always want
0: bad news first, you know, you do don't. you? And
1: so the bad news is you're never gonna change. You know, you don't have to change. The idea is that, you, you know, the things like the, this bitchy part of yourself, for instance, you come to terms with it. You hug the cactus. You learn, you know, you have a good sense of what, when it doesn't work, but it also does work. And when does it work? And when is it productive and appropriate? Right. When, you know, there's a time to be edgy. There's a time, you know, when you say bitchy, I mean edgy, you're willing to say what you mean, mean what you say. The worst thing in the world is to lie. And and you can lie. lie. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's the most dangerous thing I think, in personal development and or in business.
0: Right. So like, okay, let me ask you a question. So like when we, for instance, I'm like just going broad. I'm not going to get too specific. But like if um, we have a meeting with a founder, we're looking to invest in their business. Once we go through the numbers and we do our due diligence, we realize, you know what, We're not. We don't want to invest. My instinct is to always like soften the blow as much as possible. Like, oh my gosh, we absolutely loved your business and we loved you. And the the reality is, like, we just can't put this on our plate right now. Like, where Aaron is like, this isn't gonna work for um for us. This isn't gonna work. But I'm not
2: like cold and harsh. I'm like I feel like you're
0: cold listen, this is
2: business. It's not like a friendship. So if somebody pitches us a business and it doesn't work for us because the numbers aren't actually where they said that they were or the valuation of the company is way too high, then I'm in oh, favor of sending yeah, an email them. and that's helpful I, feedback to them.
1: I, you, a gift to them would be, this, like you're saying, this doesn't work for me and this is why. And, and now it may work for somebody else, but for us, if you want us, this won't work. Now, if they're smart, they'll say, well, what would work?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. right. What what
1: might work is, can we save this? Is there a possibility? And is it something I would want to do? I'd, I'd want to check that out.
0: There's nothing worse in the world than lying. And do you think, like, it, do you take the same sort of stance when it comes to, like, romantic relationships? Like, if you're, you just have to be honest. I am not attracted he to you. He is nodding his head right now. He is
2: nodding his head right now.
1: I am. I, I honestly believe that, well, I, look, we're always lying. We all lie to ourselves, just neurologically, because we can't take in all the information we're getting. So our system is deleting, distorting, and generalizing all the information to create a model of the world. But our model of the world's not accurate. It's a lie. It's and so, you know, the 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 it, there's a bias, and a bias is a lie, and the antidote to bias is curiosity. But if I'm going to believe the lie, I'm not going to be curious. And the problem with that is. I will be somewhere I'm not. I'll think I'm somewhere I'm not. Like if I think I'm in San Francisco when I'm in L.A. and I'm trying to get to New York, I got problems, right? So, but that—that's metaphorically that's what happens when we lie. We—we we, we and in a way, it's a form of arrogance because it—you're—I'm messing with reality. I—I'm altering reality, and and I've never seen anybody, myself or any client I've ever worked with, get away with it. There's a short-term gain once in a while, but the long-term pain isn't worth it. And a lot of people, a lot of times when you when I lie, I've noticed that lying leads to bitterness and resentment because when you lie, when I lie, it gets out, and when it starts to play out in my life, I don't realize what brought me this horrible result out here when it was a lie that started way back here. Mm-hmm.
2: This is why I'm so obsessed with the truth. I'm so obsessed with the truth because... It is freeing for me. It is freeing to not have to pretend to someone that there's a different, more flattering truth about myself. It is, it is so um, scary to me to lie because I believe that you are giving that person so much power because now they are in on a lie and you're in on the truth and they have the ability to expose that anytime that they figure it out. And no, I don't want to give that to anybody.
1: Well, the other thing is... I mean, I, I did this in my relationship with Funny You Brought It Up. When I first started dating my wife, I lied a lot because I was doing illegal things and mm. things I didn't want her to know and things I was ashamed of. And when somebody falls in love with a lie, it's very scary.
2: How long have you been married?
1: 40 I've been with my wife 47 years.
2: I cannot believe that you and your wife went through that stage of your life through to this stage. Yeah, we did. That's remarkable. Okay. We, that is remarkable. I can't,
1: I can't believe it either, but... To what you were saying, when I, I never thought anybody could love what, you know, where I had, what I'd done, things I'd perpetrated and, you know, just some of the lies I'd lived in. And when I got clean with her and she stayed and we worked it out, I, it's an interesting story. And I got in touch. I mean, we lie at such a subtle level that it's really important. Like, like telling the truth is a big order. I mean, it's more like don't, if you know something's not true, don't say it. <laughs> don't don't believe it and that's how I started with my wife I mean the approach that we I used in my relationship I've also used in with corporate that's the same technology we use in our public trainings and in technology meaning approach mm-hmm. there's a there's a very particular there's a set of principles we use when we work with people particularly we start with ourselves and when we work with others <laughs>
0: Okay, Sarah. I like know moms, that- mom's like within earshot. So I'm like not talking about orgasms, but okay, go on.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Got it. Um, all right. Well, I'll try to keep my voice down so the mom doesn't hear about how uh, the awaken arousal oil and the sex oil really gets you going at night. <laughs> with or without a partner, Sarah.
0: What's crazy is that Foria has like an incredible cult following with tens of thousands of people who have all said like, their sex lives are better.
2: Hmm. Well, I want you to intensify your sexual pleasure, Sarah. I stop. Do. Can you please stop? I do. I'm just saying. Imagine the best orgasm or sexy you've ever had, and now imagine it being even better. Are you imagining it?
0: Not looking at you, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I'm staring at your freaking
2: face, so no. Okay. Well, for another time, when you're not staring at my face, um, Foria has amazing Awaken arousal oil. It is the ultimate pleasure pregame. Okay. It uses CBD uh for warming, sensation-inducing organic botanicals. By the way, organic, like nothing.
0: I'm not putting anything that up. That's the them. thing here. That's the key thing here because no one's trying to put anything up them yeah. or around them. Not- no.
2: We're never going to tell you guys to put anything toxic up your vagina. I'm just not going to do that. Um, Euphoria is an amazing, amazing brand. So if you are feeling in any way, and you don't have to tell us, you know what, this is anonymous, but if you're secretly feeling like you are not feeling the sexual pleasure you want to in your life, you have my permission to fully try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself for more deeper, fuller pleasure, wherever you can find it as many times as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash foster, or use the code foster at checkout. That is F-O-R-I-A wellness.com. Forward slash foster for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their awaken arousal oil and the sex oil. You'll thank me later. What's up, mom? All right. We have said this before you know, most of the women listening to our podcast are in the age range where you're curious about your fertility. You're like, everybody's talking about it. How many eggs do I have? Do I need to start checking? And I can attest to the fact that going to fertility doctors is really intense. And I've said this before, you can run into people that you don't want to see at the the fertility doctor. And so if you can get things checked out in the privacy of your own home, I highly recommend it. And that's why we really like Modern Fertility because it is at-home kits where you can test a lot of different things. You can get all these baseline levels. And then you can talk on the phone to a specialist who will explain to you what the numbers mean.
0: And then you can decide if you need to go to a
2: fertility specialist.
0: I can avoid a doctor's waiting room and the 95,000 uh, pieces of paper you have to fill out. I'm doing it. And that's so great about this company is it the information that it provides from literally the, your living room is it's just a no-brainer. And we've really turned a lot of people on to modern fertility.
2: We have turned a lot of people onto it for good reason. And also, guys, if you've never had fertility testing done or gone to a fertility doctor, let me just burst your happiness bubble. It is the most expensive thing you'll ever experience and nobody covers it at all. Insurance companies laugh at you when you they call it like elective. Just so you know, it can be very expensive. And modern fertility at home kits are very affordable. They are $159. And then with our uh, discount, you get $20 off. So it becomes $1. I'm
0: recommending everyone in their 20s doing this as just like a baseline. Just have a baseline. Do it in your 20s and then you can walk away and not think about it. But know what you're working with. Like it's very, very, very important.
2: Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash foster. That means that your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or the thousands it would cost to your doctor's office. So get 20% off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash foster foster that is modernfertility.com slash foster do you think that I've I've realized recently and we're living in a time right now where you know people have very strong opinions and once you have that opinion that's kind of like your opinion forever there's an Instagram account that I follow. This girl, not skinny but not fat, is her name on Instagram. And she's very funny and she posts about uh, celebrity gossip and and all these lighthearted things and I really enjoy it. And she takes a really hard position. Like, I hate this celebrity couple or these people are annoying. And then like a week later, she'd be like, you know what? I've changed my mind. I actually really like that couple. I'm like a steak. I flip. And (laughs) I watched her do this and as silly as like it is, I thought about it and I thought, I'm too scared to admit when my opinion changes Mm. on something. And she doing that just gave me permission to say, you know what? I know I had that strong opinion, but now I changed my mind. I feel differently. And it was so empowering being able to do that. And I, which brings me to my question, like how important is it for a leader, for a person in a relationship, running a company, anything to acknowledge they may have been wrong and now they feel differently.
1: I think it's everything. I think it goes to the heart, but you just identified one of those tensions I talked about. So one is being confident in your own opinion. That's what put that on the active side. And then the the more supportive side trait would be open and reflective to other people's opinions. And you can be confident in your own opinion and still be open and reflective on other people's opinions. And that's what a, a leader's got to be aware of those tensions. Like, gosh, what, I, I have my own opinion, and now I'm going to check in to hear this opinion, and I'm going, to, I'm going to be open and reflective. When I'm insecure with my own opinion, I get dogmatic. Dogmatic is what you're talking about. I just form an opinion, and I'm unwilling to hear anything else because I don't want to be persuaded. It really isn't about finding the truth. It's about preserving my need to be right, which is very different than finding the truth. And finding the truth there's usually a crucifixion along the way, right? That you described like, well, you know, geez, I didn't know that. You know, I, that, that changes my opinion. And I'm, I'm willing to do that because I know that the truth reality is going to set, it's it's really going to give me the resources I need to move forward powerfully.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm so like endeared to people, whether it be people we work with, friends, people I admire, people, whatever, people like senior than us in different businesses that we're in who Acknowledge when they were wrong, or yeah. not. Like I'm like, oh my god! Like you automatically just feel like so close to that person. It makes you like them more. Yeah,
1: it's ironic, isn't it, that you can have a breakdown, and the person that you have the breakdown with, if they admit their part in it, they they ask for forgiveness. You you get closer. It's like that's the that's the paradoxical or ironic reality, if you will. That's actually ironic. That you would be in a fight, you break through, and now you're closer than you Mm -hmm. were before you even got into the argument.
0: Do you think that the way that, like how there's a love language and people have their love love language, like, is there an equivalent for like a leader language?
1: Well, sure. There's, I think there's a lot, there's so many cues, right? So people can, for instance, I mean, there's, there's there's a whole field of study called in neuroscience called neuro-linguistic programming. I'm sure you've heard of it, NLP, right? So they, it's about how the body patterns experience. So if, for instance, I'm very kinesthetic. And when I was a kid, I had, I was getting terrible grades in grammar school until I got into the fifth, fourth grade. And this teacher, Mrs. Phillips, I'll never forget her. She said, you can go in the back of the room and I want you to stand back. Don't disrupt the class, but you can move any. If you need to walk, you walk. Because she understood what was going on and I started getting A's start getting B's and A's because I would need I needed to move. And when I work sometimes I'll if I work with a team and I'm working with a group of people, I'll tell them, I move a lot. So if you see me on a computer or doing things, I'm listening. I'm not doing I'm not I'm just doing things. I might be tapping something or you know I tap my leg a lot. But I'll move. I'll move, and when I move, I think better.
0: You have to have freedom to do that, right? Think about all the teachers that probably say to their students, "Stop fidgeting. Stop tapping your leg," which, like, really they're hindering. I'm sure everybody learns differently,
1: and, and other leaders might prefer to be still. And I'll model. Like, if I'm working with a client who's very still, I might just be still so I don't edge them. If I'm trying to get to know them, and I might, and I'll listen to. Like you can listen to what predicates they use. They, like I see this, I see that, I see. So they're visual. So I use visual cues, right? But mm-hmm. it's it, it's a you know it's like a modeling. That's how I got connected to my mother was was modeling her when she was when she was.
2: Uh, kind I of think th- we need to learn how to do more of that. Well, Sarah and I and our working styles are very different, and so we find ourselves arguing a lot. And talking about being able to admit when you may have been wrong or maybe um, change your mind. For me, I always want to be somebody who's like, can be collaborative in a working environment. And where Sarah and I struggle is that, I find that Sarah is on a single journey. Like she's on the Sarah Foster journey. And so there are times where I say, um, you know, that I really like something like the way, maybe for our clothing line, I like something like, I really want to make this top. And Sarah's like, that's the ugliest top I've ever seen in my fucking life. That's horrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and she, she's on a mission to ruin that top. And I'm like, but I really like this top. This is a top I would wear. Maybe you wouldn't wear it, but I would wear it. So I really wanted to move forward. And then somehow she has a way of like, literally making it poss- making it impossible for this shirt to make it through like she she she's on a mission to prove to me that the top is ugly where I want her to be like okay if it's important to Aaron then I want it to be the best top as possible so that we can all succeed together and so then when the top fails let's say or it doesn't make through all the fittings cuz it, Cause it was ugly. we can't we can't agree on it or something cuz it was ugly cuz it was ugly <laughs> well i would look at it, i look at it like when we're disjointed from each other things fail right Like when we don't put our heads together, things fail. So then I get really backed up against in a corner. And I, you know, she's like, look at me. I told, look, I told you that fucking thing was ugly. I told you that top was a waste of our fucking time. And it makes it very hard for me to go, oh shit, that shirt failed. Cause I'm like, I want us to be on the same side where even if we disagree, we have the same goal, which is for the business to do well. But she is a very punishing person and it makes it very hard for me to uh, be vulnerable. And like, I want to know that we're on each other's side, whether we agree or not about the fucking top. Okay,
0: I'll I'll All need a right? rebuttal, and then Dan can weigh in. Okay, rolling up my sleeves. Well, number one, you're you're very hot. Okay, I think we need to start by just communicating. At like, like I'm physically attractive. No, like you're at you're at a twelve, and we need to mm. be we need to be at like. Well, a I'm so excited I get to finally vent to someone. And we need to be at a <laughs> six. We need to be at a six. I'm not in the Sarah Foster business because it is not the Sarah Foster clothing brand. It is our clothing brand, so mm-hmm. it's not the Sarah Foster business. I truly do operate from a place of like, I actually am so, not desperate, but I'm so passionate about the business working that in those moments, all I can think about or see is like, I think that top is really ugly. If that top b- gets on our website, people will say, Favorite daughter makes terrible tops. Then they're not going to want to buy our tops. And that affects the business. Like, that is truly my thought process. I'm not going like, well, I just want to make Aaron mad. Or I just don't want to agree with Aaron. Nothing makes me happier. Like, so I. that's my, that is actually my train of thought. And then I think... But even when other people in the business that are like professionals no, but that's not true. say like, oh, I really like it. Or I think it's really on trend. No, but that's not true. It still stays with her no, no, But that's not true because we've really created an environment at our business where it's not just Aaron and I making the final call that we have a bit, we have a, a large team and things have shifted now to where it really is more of a, of a democracy because we have so many more but employees now. Either way,
2: now. I, once I've lost Sarah's support we have lost it forever. She will never be on board and she will clock every lack of sale on that top and she will send me it to point it out how badly it did. And I'm like, what are you winning here? I
1: have a question. Okay. Are you listening to learn or are you listening to prove?
2: Right now, literally right now. Yeah.
1: When you get into this argument, like this argument is classic, right? You're not the, I have to tell you, this is not just you. We're not unique. So, yeah, you're not, it, you are unique, but this argument's not unique. Right. And and so that's why I ask you when you get into these arguments, the question is are you listening to learn? Are you, or are you listening to prove? Right. And so when I listen to you, like when you say, I, you, it sounded like you were listening to prove that this was a great top versus lear- listening to learn what about this top isn't great to you. Mm -hmm. What about this top could be changed to make it better to you? Who else can we talk about to get a point of view? Because we're both committed to the business. Like, and I thought, I thought, like, this is the Sarah Foster business. You both have, like, you get, those are the things if you, those are the, those are the biases that are lies that take you away from the reality that you are in the same business together. And that she probably didn't mean what you, she, what you heard her mean, but you could tell her what you heard her mean and ask her what she did mean. Or like, what about the, like you could keep it about hard on the problem, soft on the person, hard on the problem, meaning we need to, if this top, I think this top could make us business. I don't think this top could make us business. I don't think it's the right vibe or. It's not gonna hit our audience or whatever. Well, let's talk about why you think it is. Let's talk about why you think it isn't. Let's bring a couple other people we respect in. Let's hash it out. And then let's make a decision. And maybe you make a decision that you put a test to it. And if it sells, great. And if it doesn't, okay, we move on. We -hmm. we shift, right? There's, but it's a very different world.
0: I love to like pull our audience. I'm always going, let's pull the audience. Like, let's see. And you're always like, why do you have to do that? Why do you? And I go, well, because, like, let's see what the audience says. She's like, you know what, Sarah? I don't know why you feel the need to do that. Well, because- in, You always want in, people's opinions.
2: No, because in all of our work things, Sarah has a very hard time making decisions. And so she always is like, well, let's call so-and-so and see what they think. Well, let's call so-and-so. Let's call. Let's pull the audience. And I'm always like, Sarah, you and I have to be able to make decisions, the two of us. Hey, so Sometimes let me ask you, you pull.
1: Let me ask you this question. How is, po- let's do it first, how is polling the audience helpful? Let's, let's do both sides. How is, let's, so let's just list, how is polling the audience helpful?
0: Well, I think you're listening to your customer, for instance. So like if her and I are debating a, a pattern and I really like this pattern and she likes this pattern, then we ask the audience who the, the majority wins and we go with that. Like we went with that with the floral thing. I hated it, but I lost. So the, the audience weighed in. We went with that. We went with them. Okay, yeah, I good. think sometimes it's appropriate. I definitely think
2: sometimes it's appropriate. Okay. I think that like where I'm getting stuck right now on the previous no, no, argument. No,
1: but tell me, tell me how, tell me what what works about polling the audience first, and then let's go.
2: No, I definitely I think it works sometimes. I definitely think that sometimes if 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 Sarah and I are really 50-50 split, and nobody around us really has an opinion, then it can be helpful to see what the majority of people like. I, I when it comes to clothes, it can be helpful sometimes, and it right. also makes people feel part of it.
1: Good. Got it. And, and now let's go to this. What is What What doesn't work about polling the audience?
2: Everyone's going to have an opinion. So if you cater to every opinion, you're going to be like chasing your tail. You know, you're always going to get messages of people saying you make too many bright things and then you make too many dark things and your pants are too long, your pants are too short. So at some point you kind of have to just do what you feel is right.
1: Right. Th- that's right. There's, there's a balance. That Again, we're in one of those tensions this is something that Steve Jobs was really great at is he knew that their audience needed, he could see what the audience needed, but the audience didn't know they needed it. So that, so in that case, polling the audience would have not been helpful, but there were other areas where he polled the audience. It was very helpful. Right. So it's like, what, when is it helpful? When is it like what I would, that's why curiosity is the antidote to bias because there's a truth in every bias. The question is is the, what truth is most appropriate in the context I'm in now? And the truths can be they can be apparently contradictory. Like for instance, there's a there's a bias in leadership that people uh, that the people there's a bias that people want to be led, but it's not true. People don't want to be led. But there's also true that people need to be led. So there's a tension there. So when do people allow themselves to be led? When they see that what they're going to do is going to serve them personally, their interests. So if if I'm leading somebody and they can see that the larger picture is going to serve them, they're going to be in. They're going to want to be led. If they don't see it, they're not going to want to be led. Right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a tension. I've got to dance. It's a very similar thing we're talking about here.
0: It's really crazy. Cause like Aaron and I are 50, 50 partners, like in so many lanes. I mean, <laughs> we have this podcast together. She might want to have a guest that I go, I don't want to have that guest. I don't want that person on my podcast. And she goes, well, I want that person on my podcast. I go, but I don't want that person on my <laughs> podcast. We have a clothing line. She likes a shirt. I don't want that shirt on my website. We make investments. I don't want to write a check into that business. Well, we're going to do our check into that business. And of course, we do have our few separate ventures. Erin's a writer. She's writing a script by her, you know, she whatever. But like, we have so many businesses together where truly like, we have to meet each other in the middle. Like, and, and we, we do agree on a lot more than it's probably coming across to you right now, but...
1: Well, I know you do. You wouldn't be as successful as you are. Right. The evidence shows that. Right. You're talking about... What, you're not talking about the common thing. You're talking about this is this is not the the mainstay. This is what when you, you're talking about when you get up against it. How do you deal with
0: it? Yeah, and I think we're telling a lot of the negative right now. But like, I really feel like, and I don't know if Aaron feels like this, but I actually think we really are a good team, and we really do because of our different skill sets. Whether or not like we want to admit it, and I do feel like more so from Aaron. I think she has like more resentment towards me than I have towards her. So I think inevitably that shit comes up in moments in the present.
1: Well, yeah, that well, that's there's probably another conversation that wants to be had that isn't yeah. being had, mm-hmm.
0: right? Even though and we that, have hard conversations a lot of the time, I mean, yeah, we do, but, no, but I, I think I, we've I'm needed like a
1: learning. Go ahead.
0: No,
2: sorry, I was just to say I think we've we we do need um, a mediator sometimes yeah. because we get to an impasse and I in the end don't feel heard she in the end doesn't feel heard and then we just kind of brush it under the rug and Sarah is someone that can kind of just start fresh the next day but I carry it with me so that night Sarah's sleeping easy and I'm not sleeping easy and like, I'm waking up and I'm going hey what's up like I but then the I next time on. a conflict comes up I'm remembering all the last seventeen conflicts and I'm like. Filled with rage because I don't feel seen or heard, and I don't want. And to, I don't remember them. And I don't want to be in a business with someone who's so punishing. Like I want to be with someone who's on my side, well, who wants punishing? me to win. Well, what? Tell us what punishing is. To me, sorry, Dan, were you? So gonna say I
1: was going to ask the same question. What is punishing about yeah. that so, you feel is punishing about, Sarah?
2: So for me when anything happens in our businesses that's outside of what Sarah likes, let's just take this top, for instance, or whatever it could be. It's not like, you know, I see that you really like that. For me, it's not a top I like because it was really trendy in the last three years or because I don't think that a lot of people can wear that color or maybe I would like it more if you change this thing about it. It's like, That is the ugliest top I've ever seen. No one in their right mind would ever wear that fucking top. And like, I'm definitely not going to trust you because I've seen your style. Like it's like goes down on this like attacking mode of it will be my mission in life to make sure that you feel like shit about that idea of yours. I have a very hard time being in business with someone who can't ask
0: questions instead of like, the attacking because. But I think you also have to, this is not like on the daily. I'm not saying you have I the worst it. fucking style every day. She's just remembering that time two months ago when I said that, but then talks about it like it happens every day.
1: So let me ask you now, what was the purpose of responding that way? For me? Yeah. Like, probably why did... like,
0: well, probably because I think that, an, that another issue that we, we have is that I will do something once, maybe twice and all of a sudden i'm labeled as that person and i right. go yeah so, but yeah
1: right so you're it's in defense that you're not that you're not that person you do it once in a while
0: i do it sometimes but okay. this is so, not my style every day so my
1: my question is what let's say she do you let's say she wasn't saying you were doing it every day what 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 is she trying to say like like i'm married right and if my wife keeps bringing something up there's something she's trying to say that I'm not hearing. And then I get in, I get hooked up about the content, but I'm not hearing what she's trying to communicate through it. Right? That's what I meant by listening to learn. It's okay, she keeps repeating this and she looks bitter and she's angry, right? You've, you said that, you feel like she's bitter. And she says she is. she says she has a harder time coming up from something than you do. So you're probably more optimistic. She's probably more skeptical. Right. That which means she probably pays attention to the pitfalls more than she pays attention to the future turning out bright. Right. So she's gonna it's gonna take her a while to recover from an upset. But and you keep and she's brought a couple of things up, right? You've noticed it. So if you proving your point is probably what do you think it's gonna do if you keep proving your perspective? And I'm not saying your perspective's wrong. I'm just saying that's your perspective. I don't know if you hear her perspective and that might by just hearing her perspective may open the thing up.
0: Yeah, no, I've heard it. We've had conversations where she's been like you really can't speak like that way in meetings. You can't be so dismissive of I like we 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 have openly had those conversations and I've said like I need to work on my bedside manner. I for sure and and I've said that to her. I've acknowledged <laughs> that. I don't I don't I've never said like what are you talking about? You're, you know, I have said like, I know what she usually says
2: is, this is business. It's not personal. And that's something I would like to ask you about because we're sisters. We run a business together. But to me, I feel like Sarah uses the excuse of that's It's business, not personal as a way to treat people badly. And I don't, I think that is personal.
1: Well, I think, I think anything I do is personal because I'm there. That's just how I am. Um, My partner and I, I think business, if I'm going to spend, how many hours a day with my partner and I, I have 50 50 partners with my partner too and and we have another partner we're bringing in and my wife's involved and we have quite a few partners you know we have partners and we have we have uh, consultants and we listen a lot because we're all people business right you and and so when you look at this when you look at what you're going through what your conflict is you got to ask yourself what is it that's not resolved like, because what if I, so feedback I would say to you, Sarah, is your the need to prove your point is probably working against your learning what you don't even know you don't know about Aaron and vice versa. Aaron, I've heard the same thing. You both have a you make statements rather than inquiry, right? Right. And, and you're very sharp and you are listening to what the other person says, by the way. But I think you're missing. The nuance right and maybe slowing down to connect to the impact it has emotionally on the relationship because in my experience being in business is like being married and the thing that makes a marriage tick is really my wife and I don't agree on everything we have very different we had very different views on how to bring the kids up we have very different views on how to work with money we have very different views about a lot of things And learning to respect and honor and learn about the other person's point of view has helped both of us. Like, I have a much easier time doing certain things that I wouldn't normally do with her, with the kids, let's say, when they were kids, when I understood what she was up to and I could see how I could contribute. And and that that enabled her to, like, go along because I tend to be much more hardline, you know, in the family. And she would go along with that because she could see the value right? And she would, but she would coach me on how to be hardline, but loving (laughs) because I could tend to get too hard. Right. And at first I would defend myself. And then one time a friend of mine stopped me and said, if you weren't going to defend yourself, what, like when you defend yourself, what are you not hearing that she's saying?
0: Right. And I think we're both, we both have acknowledged that we both want to win in arguments. We're both so like we want to be right. We want to be right. We're
1: and yeah. and well, well, that's different than winning.
0: Yeah. Because
1: if the argument, what are you arguing for? Right? Are you arguing for the business or are you arguing for yourself to be right? Right. If you're arguing for the business, then then that's a very different thing because you can argue for something and be side by side with it. Like ultimately what I care about is the business. And I and I know that caring about the business means I care about my sister. <laughs> and and I want to I want to connect cuz you both are really creative and vibrant you know obviously you've done a great job and you, you have to, the results speak for themselves
0: I think that this next one I don't even need to look at the paper which is which is so telling oh
2: god I can't even Can take a guess paper? what we're talking about I can't even hear you talk about athletic greens all the time <laughs> It's just—it's an obsession, okay? It's very simple. It is one scoop in that scoop. I wish you—I wanted to do like a drinking it, like you guys, like have who's memorized this phrase: one scoop of AG one contains. 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more all in one tiny little scoop. Here's okay? the de-
0: we're all depleted more than you probably realize. And there's so many different things you need to take. So instead of taking 10 different things, it is one scoop of powder in the morning, in your water, in your juice, whatever it is, stir it around, chug it down and you're done for the day. Yep. So to
2: make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash foster today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash foster to take control of your health and
0: give age you want to try. It's a new year. We're all looking at days.
2: It's not a new year anymore. It's literally almost April.
0: That still qualifies as a new year. It's under the six month mark. I still feel like it's a new None year. Under the six month mark makes no sense. The six hey, month mark, halfway to, to the next year. I'm still looking at, you know, I'm still deep in my New Year's resolutions. And one of them is being more accountable for what I eat, not so that I look different, but that's so I feel different. I don't feel good when I go to McDonald's and eat French fries. That's why I love Noom. It holds you accountable to just make healthier choices. It helps
2: you track all of your food and it uses a completely different approach. It's a psychological, psychology-based approach to help you just better understand your relationship with food. And that's the thing is like everyone's relationship to food is totally different. And so it teaches you, how to have a more meaningful way of eating and gives you like skills and knowledge that you need to build
0: like long lasting. It becomes like your choice. Like all the people I know who have been doing Noom for a long time, they're like, I don't even crave the things I used to crave, which at the end of the day, that's the dream. For me, when I eat cleaner food, my brain is clearer. So start building
2: better habits today. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash foster. That is n slash foster to sign up for your trial. Well I, well, I guess to be positive right now, I guess I can focus more on the positive in our re- working relationship versus, like you were saying, Dan, kind of only seeing the conflict and the negative. And so, I will do my best to try. Well, how to How about
1: see the you know? Here's here's a practice: when you two, when either of you come up with, you know, she's blah blah blah. Ask yourself: Is that really true? Like, what else might be as true as that?
0: Right. We should have a list, like when things get heated, to pull it out and go, okay, and like go down the list of questions to ask to then try to like diffuse the... Well, did you want to say maybe something you're going to work on? Because I
2: just said something I'm going to work on.
0: Well, no, you said no. You Well, yes, I will. But oh, you said you were going okay, to look- try
1: to... I've got a couple of things. Take a spoon out. Okay. All right.
2: I actually will, have a spoon right here. I'm going to give you a
1: couple of things to do if you because if you're you guys seem you're you're very authentic so i believe you'll do this so because the mechanism's not going to do anything unless you guys are intending to really connect
0: i'm not going to lick that spoon that you just licked i'll tell you that I'm not <laughs> not just, <that's> what
1: I'm, <laughs> you're like my wife i can't touch your food or she won't eat it
0: i don't um, drink after any. i could be like thirsty in the sahara desert if i'm not going to take your bottle of water I mean, maybe. Well, you're lost.
1: <laughs> so take the spoon, and the person who has the spoon gets to talk. The person who doesn't have the spoon gets to listen and take notes. Okay. And you really listen. Now, then, then when you give the spoon away, the other person gets to talk, and they and I have a whole system that you can do there, but that's one thing that helps. The other thing that helps is if you get so angry at each other, and this happens a lot in marriage, mm-hmm. that you just don't, can't hear each other and you want to punch the other person. We we say break and we go away for twenty minutes, which gives the amygdala time to go down. I think and that's th-
0: good for us. We go break, mm-hmm. and break. I, I, that's that's so good. Break,
1: and then when you're away, when you calm down, you come back to me. And how you start the conversation is: this is how I contributed to the breakdown.
2: Because mm, when I come back, I'm like I've had a list of more arguments right, to bring and back. You did this, and you I come no, back twenty minutes later. That's I'm like, right. Because
1: bring it. That's the biggest thing I listen for both of you is you externalize your own feelings rather than going, gosh, I'm feeling this isn't really true. Mm. What's true about it? What's not? I better check because I don't really know, right? So if I can look at how I contributed to the breakdown, it keeps my mind on the one thing I can control, me. So then I can go, okay, look, honey, I tell my wife, this is what I, I can see how I contributed and this is it. This. And the rule is we, we start by talking about how we contributed and then what... Anything I, like, then I identify what do I think she's doing that I, I don't trust. And I, then I ask, okay, then I'm going to ask questions about that to see if my interpretation's accurate. I want to understand her rather than be right about what I've initially fired off in my head that she's doing.
0: I'm still stuck on how you've been with your wife for 40 years and you guys have totally different styles of parenting. Because honestly, like, for me, it's like the thing that's going to be the nail in the coffin in my relationship, are the, the, it's the parenting stuff. Like, we really view, like, not how to raise the kids, but, like, we really just don't see eye to eye on a lot of things when it comes to the kids. And so that's... That's a tough one. That's a tough one.
1: Well, I how I got through that and how my wife got through it together is we wanted to understand why I wanted to understand why was this a value to her? How come she thought this was better than kids than what I wanted to do? How could it be? I wonder, and if it was, when would it be better and when would it not? So I could find what, like, we found ways to work together, even though, and then we, we also agreed, look, if you take the lead, I'm going to back you up. But then at the back end, let's, let's talk about it. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll correct it with the kids.
0: Oof, that's such a good one. Like, my daughter will go to Tommy and be like, Dad, can I have my iPad? And he'll say no. And then she'll come to me and she'll say, Dad said I can't have my iPad. And then I'll go to him being like, Why aren't you giving her the fucking iPad? All of her friends are online. It's not fair. Why can't <laughs> she be? No, it's crazy. I know. And then you
2: hand her the iPad. And, and then, then you- I hand her the iPad. And then Tommy goes, And this is why I have no authority in my own house. Yeah.
1: Well, actually and the thing is that 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 over time that wears at the at the at the bonds. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and what I want to do look here's how I think. I only have so many hours a day with my wife. Only so many hours a day with my kids or my grandkids. Only only so much time with you. I want to make this time the best I can have it. And if I take care of that Like if I take care of breakfast with my wife, if I take care of lunch or dinner if I'm with her, if we're going to the movie or going shopping, if I take care of those moments, 80% of my relational life is taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about pandering. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about really understanding. Like I didn't start knowing my wife till we've been together for 15 years. Then I realized I like when I when I the start was what we just talked about. And then she had this daycare. And I thought, listen to this, this this is how blunted I am. I thought she's doing the daycare to make money because that's why I'd be doing it, right? <laughs> and, I, and I'm and i getting pissed off because she's with the kids in the morning and that's my time with her. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm getting all irritable and I'm making, I for these little tantrums and slants mm-hmm. and shit. And so one day she says, what's up with you? And I said, well, you know, the breakfast club steals you from me. I just got honest with her and I've, you know, I don't want to be a baby, but I only get so much time with you. Huh. And she said, she said, come on, Dan, let's, let, we can work this out. I said, yeah, we can. So I went, I started thinking about it. I started watching it. And I realized she really loved being with the kids. So I started loving being with the kids because she loved being with mm. them. You know, it's like, I started enjoying it. So I, I, you know, she made more time for me and I started getting involved. In what and I started understanding, like she, I couldn't tell, the love she had for my son and this other kid, she we, she raised 12 kids for nine years. Wow. And they still come back and visit. They're like wow. kids. They're like family.
2: Oh, and It like makes God. me think about, there's an article I read that I've searched high and low for and I can't find again. I think it was in the New Yorker or the New York Times, like 10 years ago. And it was about relationships. And the theory was that a relationship is a series of... Y- of each person bidding for a connection with their partner. And that when you bid for a connection with your partner, that's
1: right. right.
2: That partner has an opportunity to reject it or accept it. And an example, that's John Gottman. Is it John Gottman? Okay. So the, so one of the examples was that like your husband is a bird watcher, and he loves birds and he's standing at the window and he's like, honey, come look at this bird. Come look at this bird. And you're like, I don't give a fuck about that bird. (laughs) <laughs> he was just asking to connect with you over something he that's cares right. about. That and he sees you either,
1: that's beautiful to him.
2: And you reject that's it or you accept it. And I think about that all the time because that's what that is. Like when you connect with your wife over the thing that she enjoys, that's also, a connection.
1: Yeah. And I found myself enjoying it after a while. First, it was a little hard. Then I really, and then I found myself eating regularly with the breakfast club. Oh. But you know, the other thing is, I've done it with her. I like to read a lot. She's not a big reader, but she likes to read. And I read philosophical stuff, and she reads other things. And I'll say, "Come here, look at this," and she'll she used to do that. Now she'll go, "Okay, show me what." You, okay, and it's oh, and she. I notice she's starting to enjoy it more. But I'm also like that. i youtube i'm like oh look at this youtube look at this
2: it's such a silly thing but like i used to you know yell into the other room with my husband simon when i was be watching the bachelor the bachelorette and i'd be like just come in and watch this scene it's the craziest thing you've ever seen And, and he used to be like aaron i don't give a shit about the bachelor just like don't you watch your thing i'm watching my basketball game and eventually one time he came in and he was like okay show it to me and I was like, oh my God, do you want to see this? I got so excited to show him <laughs> this ridiculous great. scene and it meant so much to me. And he said that it was because he he read this book. I think it's a John Gottman book, The Seven Rules of Marriage. Yeah, so, yep, yeah,
1: I and, think it is too. And huh? it
2: brought him into the room and it made me but, so happy.
1: And that's bids. Now, when he's talking about bids too, is when things break down, so bids are very subtle. Somebody might just reach out, say something, it's a bid. That's why I would pay attention to each other that way because you're so familiar with each other because you grew up together, and you may think you know each other.
0: Oh, Sarah and I.
1: Yeah. And you might want to be open to that you don't know each other as well as you think, Mm. like you could learn something new.
0: That's really interesting, because I do wonder sometimes if you really like know me. Mm. You know, which is true. I think you can be so close with someone, but not fully feel seen. And maybe you feel that way too. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think that like you're saying, because we grew up together, Sarah and I have had two big phases of our relationship. In our early years... We really didn't have a relationship, and I wanted desperately to have a relationship with her. And she early,
0: early we did. Early, early, like I'm saying, like born to like eight, you know, like our early, early years we did.
2: My teenage years. I had a different experience with you in those early years. I did not experience you being reaching out to me or having a relationship with me. So I never felt like I could get a connection with Sarah. I always wanted it, and she always rejected it. And then
1: oldest? Sarah, the oldest.
2: Yeah, she's the oldest. And as adults, many, now we have that relationship, but I, I think in a lot of ways I do still view her as the person she was in our formative years. And I know she wants me to let her break out of I'm that. I'm like,
0: please, I, I'm not 14 anymore, 16.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the, the human, that, what, what happens is when you, we have a very interesting relationship to trust human beings. I've noticed, you know, in the culture, like if you ask somebody about, well, how, what, what's trust, right? People say, well, you earn it. And I would say, no, actually that's a problem. You know, if you think about it, like you, and trust can go in many different ways. I can trust you to do something, or I can trust you not to do something. And so I go, ah, you know, but that's still a form of trust. So the point is, if if you, let's say, Sarah, you we're, we're hanging out together and you do this thing, everything you say. And after a couple of months, I go, you know what? I can trust Sarah. So she's earned my trust. Now, what am I going to do? I'm going to stop paying attention to what you're up to because I trust you. Now, the problem with that is if your background of concerns changes, somebody dies, something happens in the, you know your world that I don't know about that causes you to need to reform our promises because they no longer serve you in your world. If I don't pay attention to that and you, are, and you may make some effort and I don't pay attention, then you're going to probably go do what you need to do to take care of your life, and I'm going to feel betrayed. And I'm going to say – you, what the hell happened you, i didn't see it coming 99 percent of the time when i work with people in business or couples it doesn't matter when people say like i was just blindsided no you weren't blindsided you weren't paying attention and and the tendency to take somebody for granted that's called it's called blind trust mature trust is realizing that i you and me if we're in a relationship we could betray each other at any moment and no, and I don't mean that in a suspicious way. I mean that in a caring way, like I want to pay attention and check in. But the other thing is daily, this is what I would encourage you guys to do daily, do things to connect you mm-hmm. that make like stop and appreciate the other person, especially if you're a partner. Like I do that with my partner, Adrian, I make sure we talk and we are affectionate to each other. If we have a hard thing, we talk, you know, if we have a hard conversation, but we're constantly connecting and, and do do things that connect you like i like fill the bank you know what i mean make mm-hmm. deposits
0: it's true you and i never go out to dinner together we ne- i mean i don't really go out to dinner ever like but like we don't go out to dinner together we never i'm never just like oh hey do you want to go shopping like <laughs> it's no, but I'm, true but we do not, i mean ugh, like i don't know are you, like, at, are you asking me on a date I, <laughs> should we go to LACMA this weekend just the two of
2: us and then get lunch i actually have plans this weekend <laughs> but um another time i might be available <laughs>
1: But let's make a date. You should make a date put it in the calendar. But the thing is, I like it. Indifference is something that is learned just like love. The opposite of love is indifference. So the more you practice, so if some, if let's say one of you say something that hurts the other, the tendency is to want to pull away rather than want to learn what, A, why did that hurt me? What did I make up about that such that it hurt me? One of the neurological principles we live by is the meaning of any communication is in the listener. Mm. So if I'm hurt, I wonder what I'm making up about what you said. Mm. And I've had people say really mean things to me and I can make up stuff so that it doesn't hurt me and I
2: can still hear
0: them. Wow. It's That's so interesting classic. though what you say about indifference, because someone once said to me, like love and hate, we, we can deal with that indifference. I can't help you. It's just, That's,
1: yeah, you got to read Hannah Arendt.
0: Okay. the banal-
1: The banality of evil.
0: Mm, I've she heard that studied book.
1: the Nuremberg trials, and she wrote a book about how these Nazi uh, generals were just like everybody else. It says that they, what, why they were able to do such atrocities is they made themselves indifferent to the Jews and to the, the Catholics and those that were different than them. They made themselves indifferent to them. So you, when you sit down and talk to them, you would not think they were horrible people but they just had the ability to shut that down and you practice that. That's a practice. And I would say that love is the opposite practice of being sensitized to the people I'm connected to, but it's fearful because there's, you know, that's why there's no safe path because human beings are unpredictable. So to yeah. love them, to get connected to them is to risk of course. You know, breakdown
2: Okay, this is an interesting one. Catalina Crunch is uh, a cereal that has zero sugar, low carbs, and is keto friendly, but has the nostalgia of the cereals that we grew up, you know, eating. Genius.
0: They- By the way, this is genius. This cereal is zero sugar. It is plant based. It has nine grams of fiber. It's got all the good stuff, but it still tastes kind of like the bad stuff. Yeah, we're, a big, we're a big cereal house, and I think you don't realize you can't start your day off with a bunch of sugar. And all these cereals have so much sugar. And it basically, I can't send my kids to school after eating one of these cereals. They're like bouncing off walls. It's gluten-free. It's grain-free,
2: non-GMO, only real clean ingredients, nothing artificial. You know, I'm all about that. They have flavors like cinnamon toast, dark chocolate, and chocolate peanut butter but it is not filled with sugar. So it's
0: like a- so amazing like how these food companies have evolved. They're giving us the feel and the taste of those nostalgic old things, but like they're smarter than that. They've realized you don't have to have it filled with all the chemicals and all the shit that we grew up on.
2: Exactly. So see why Catalina Crunch cereal is the fastest growing cereal brand in America. Go to catalinacrunch.com slash foster for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. That is Catalina Crunch Dot com slash foster. If you're not sure which flavor to get, try the variety pack and check out their delicious cookies and snack mixes while you're at it. Again, that is catalinacrunch.com slash foster for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Dan, okay, Dan, we have not gotten
0: to any sorry, questions. We sorry, we have so many questions we haven't gotten to <laughs> this yet. This is crazy. Can I ask the first one? Yes, I've been really, and I think we have answered this, but just not a rapid fire. But so many people have questions, and you're so fascinating. And we've really been a little bit selfish with this episode because we've made it a lot about you and I. But I think that's okay because people will resonate, it'll resonate for them for their own situation. I mean, I mean, hopefully, this is just a super broad question, but like, how do you open up a very tough conversation? Whether it's, I'm about to fire you, I'm going to quit, I don't love you anymore. Right, how to so, open up a tough conversation.
1: Yeah. The, okay, so I can I can answer the how, but let me just say this. That question is first to who.
0: Mm. In what way? So it depends on who you're talking to.
1: Who I am for okay. them. Who I am
0: for them. No, oh, like those, are, are you their who boss or am are you I their committed co-
1: to being to them?
0: Mm. So
1: like like if I come to you and I, I can I'm gonna tell you exactly how I I'll give you a very powerful way to prepare for that. But if I come to you and I'm not willing to be authentic with you, I'm not willing to show up in a way that like you're a human being and connect with you, then if you do what I, how, when I answer that, how you're going to produce poorer results. It's presence that produces, that opens up the biggest possibility for results. So it's how you bring yourself to it. Now, to answer the question, if I'm going to have a tough conversation with somebody, and we do this a lot, we write down we go, we, I prepare for it. You want to prepare for the conversation so that you can be present for it and you've thought about many of ways it could go and you're wide open to what they have to say because you've processed a lot of what you have to say. So first off, I want to get clear about the issue. Number one, clarify the issue very clearly. Here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about your employment here. This is, I want to talk to you about what hasn't worked for me in this employment. This is what, now, hopefully you've had this, you don't just go fire somebody, but these are conversations I would have along the way, but here's what's not working for me specifically. Now, here's an example of it not working. So the person can connect to the example, right? Oh, wow. That's cool. Okay. They can see it. And then I would say, I would let them know. And when that happens, here's what happens for me. Now I'm going to tell them what I feel and what I think. Like, this is what goes on over here for me. I feel, I get angry, I get short-tempered, or I get sad, I want to shut down, whatever goes on for me. And then after I tell them, after you, so you're preparing, right? You're writing this, this, that. So this is what happens for me. And then I want to tell them, this is my contribution to the breakdown. Here's what I see I've done that's helped perpetuate this.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh right! So take My inventory of yourself, no matter what. Right. Always right. Even if you're like the boss and you're talking to an employee.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah, exactly. I like
1: that. You see the, the, Yeah. This whole thing about if you're if you're going to lead, you better be human. Mm. Now, just because I have a contribution doesn't mean you're not going to cut. You're not going to still pay for the consequences of your contribution. Mm. I'm paying my consequences. If I have to let you go, that's a pain on me as well. I I don't like it. I don't like to have to let anybody go because now I got to train somebody else.
2: So you really have to neutralize. You neutralize the power imbalance.
1: Yeah. I'm being honest. I'm, I'm being healed. Like I've got the power. It doesn't matter. I can fire them, but I want them to know. I want them to walk away understanding what worked and what didn't work if I'm going to fire, fire mm-hmm. them.
2: Okay, can like you give what, us... And I will? Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Now, can you give once, us tips for people who get uncomfortable with confrontation?
1: Well, this, is, this should help them. Because if you, if you get to identify the... the, the I'm gonna, there's a few more. Identify the issue. Give them an example. Tell them what happens for you. Own your part. Now talk about what's at stake if it continues. What might happen? If we did this, we continue to do this, this is what I see happening. Mm-hmm. Open, like like, like. I wanna draw it out from, the, that's what I see may or may not be true, but that's what I see, I gotta be true to that. Mm-hmm. And then after I tell them that, I say, this is what I propose, or you know, that's why I wanna let you go, or that's why I'd like to change, I wanna shift this relationship. What do you think? I'd like to hear from you. Right? Are now, these the
0: same guidelines though, if you're here, if you're speaking to your boss? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So and that makes you, sense because
2: you could go to your boss if you're not being treated right and say like, "This is the issue. This is how it makes me feel. This is how I've contributed, and this yeah. is what is going to happen if if it doesn't change."
1: Or here's what I like from you. I, would you please do this? Would you when you know this would work for me? But I'd love to hear what you have to say.
2: Okay. Right? So ha- sorry, I don't mean to rush through these, but we just have. I want I want to get your your take on so many. How how does one give constructive criticism? Because Sarah and I are both very passive-aggressive towards each other, you know? Um, I notice. <laughs> um, and so how... But, but let's just say... This is not a real situation. I'm just saying, like, let's say Sarah is late all the time, okay? How do I say to her... There are so many things that come up in our relationship where I think, like, I want to say this to Sarah, but I don't know how to say it without starting an argument. So how would I say, like, hey... You know, uh, when we're in that meeting, you really shouldn't be looking at your phone. You should be paying attention.
1: Well, look, again, this is a who, not a how. And you got to have some courage. There There is no safe path. There's an honorable path. So the first thing I would do is say, look, we're in this, you know, I have a concern. I'd like to check in with you on it and let you know what my concern is. My concern is that we're having these meetings for this purpose and you seem to be checking out on your phone. I don't know if that's what you're doing, but that's what it affects me that way. And I wonder if it's affecting our client that way or somebody, uh, the people we work with or whoever's in the meeting that way. It, it concerns me because, you know, we want I don't want to keep having to do the same thing over and over again because we weren't paying attention, right? Because that's usually what happens. Something like that. I'm going to let them know, I've got to be honest about what's going on with me. I've got to be honest about what I think it's doing. And I got to be open to, what's going on for her. And then maybe there's some other information I don't know.
0: So do you think it's always important to bring up every little thing? Like that sort of, because of course it's inevitable. We're in 90 different businesses, 24 hours a day with each other. So it's inevitable that Aaron might be like, why'd she just say that? That was so annoying. Or for me to be like, Jesus Christ, Aaron! Like that didn't even make sense. This is just normal, right? We are different people. We can't expect—I can't expect that she operates in life the way that I want her to operate in life, and vice that's versa. Right. You but know, I—I I I would
1: want to check in with my. I'm checking my own. Like that's what I said. It's not feedback. Isn't about the other person. It's a confession from me. I'm confessing what's going on for me and. I'm not trying to change the other person, but I'm confessing what's going on for me and checking in. Like I, my partner and I check in after every meeting. What worked, what didn't work, what's wanted and needed. We we have that conversation.
0: Right, and it's probably just if we give each other an open invitation to do that, and if we both agree to not be defensive, because I think both of us, we always get defensive because we want to like plead our case and, you know, whatever. But if we just tried, let's say, I just want to check in with you. I feel like when you said that thing, like we shouldn't say that because that's, I don't think that that's like Here's what whatever. Here's what I experienced.
1: Here's what right. I What do you think? Right.
0: Right. And then if we have to swear, like we won't get to, we can say like, oh, do you think like, okay, well let me check in with Phil and see if that's, if that's correct. Cause I definitely don't want to say anything that might be wrong, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Like, so maybe we could try that. Okay, okay. But, it might take up a lot of our well, day. You guys, you guys but, <laughs> move moving
2: a
1: million. you you're, In your mind, you're moving very quickly. Very. So practice taking time. It's good to slow down so you can go faster. If you slow down periodically, you know, on a regular basis and connect, then when you go, you're going to be on the same page more, right? Yeah. My sense, sense. sense is you're going so fast, you miss each other often. And then you're having to make up for what you missed, which doubles your load.
2: Absolutely. And I think we also both rush to criticize the other one first because we can tell there's a disconnect and we want to get our piece in first and we're never listening we're always looking to be right. But really,
0: what's the prize? For you to prove me that I'm wrong or for me to prove you that you're wrong? Like w- there is no medal. There is no reward. There, there is not. actually I actually give myself a medal
2: every right. day. There is no I person being like Aaron's amazing. I do my own ceremony every night. I give myself a medal. Simon's there for it. He he puts me on a little pedestal. <laughs> at the dinner table Aaron's like, "Guess what? I believe oh, really, I really one up Sarah today. It was you're fantastic." Awesome. Yeah, we have a whole ceremony it's it's a beautiful thing.
1: The good news, I mean, you, you know, I, one of the things I can see, your sense of humor has probably kept you together. I mean, yes,
0: you, guys are, absolutely. you guys are hilarious. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why, we're our sense of humor, but also the fact that I really just let things go. I think if we were both as stubborn as Aaron, we would not be speaking. That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry not to like pat myself on the back, but I swear to God, we get in World War uh, Well, I shouldn't joke about World War Ray, but so, if we get into so a th- fight. That's one
1: of our, we have a saying. If you weren't the hero of your own story, what might
0: you discover? Oh, no, no, no. We're both the heroes. We're
2: both the I heroes. Got right? it. I got it. I can but confirm that Sarah is time. the villain of my story. Sarah is the so, villain of my story 100%. No,
1: my wife and You're I do servant. this all the time. You're so my little she'll servant. Say, <laughs> she'll say something like that, or I'll say something like that. Well, I did this, and she'll go, now, if you weren't the hero of your story, what might you discover? Uh-huh. Right?
2: Well, Sarah is the villain every time. Uh, this is interesting because I feel like a lot of people, it's kind of like a two-parter, um, how to be a great leader when you're an introvert and also how to make yourself be heard without becoming, without coming off as bossy.
1: Well, you're going to have to risk being bossy to be heard. Mm. I mean, there's no safe path. So take the risk, you know, you'll find out how to do it. I mean, the thing is like, we've been talking, there's a number of ways to come about it. But I would suggest to owning your own experience, make, make your feedback a confession so somebody can get in on what you're seeing and then find out how they see it. And, and then if it, it doesn't sit right, keep that up. Say what's there. Don't keep yourself from saying what isn't true. Don't lie. Because that is going to increase pressure. Better to take the short-term pain for the long-term gain. Rather than rather than the short term gain and then you have to deal with the long term pain.
0: Right. That makes sense. Wow. Okay. How do you approach salary discrepancies? Like how do you approach it's, it says how to discuss salary adjustments with a boss? So yeah. Yeah, like but like, you know, or this person's making more than I am. Like I just found out what that person's making, I think I'm worth as much as that person, or I need a rate, you know, just financial. Well, yeah.
1: I would never one. It's none of your business what somebody else makes. Mm. Two, you ought to be you ought to be gauging your your wage on what you produce mm. and the value you you produce for the company. And if you produce value for the company, don't prostitute yourself. Be willing to lose the job if that's what it takes. If you really feel you're being underpaid and you're not willing and you keep you keep acquiescing, you're creating the agreement for them to keep paying you under what you what you believe you deserve. You have to be willing to face. The fact that they may not want you if you get if you ask for what you deserve, or they may not give it to you, and then you have to decide. Wow.
0: Okay, so then That's what how about how do you ask for a raise?
1: I would make sure I was clear about how I contributed to the company, how I performed uh, against my goals, against my you know uh, KPIs or whatever, if uh, OKRs whatever they're using. I'd I'd make my case based on that and its contribution to the company.
2: This is an interesting one, Dan. How do you feel less competitive with the people at your same level?
1: Stop comparing yourself. Comparison is the root of all... So competition, there could be healthy competition, but comparison ultimately leads to envy. And envy...
0: Destroys envy, you.
1: Well, there's... Yeah. Jealousy is I want what you have. Envy is I don't want you to have what you have. Hmm. And envy is what is divides a team. So, envy is like I'm going to keep you from having what you have. So I sabotage without even thinking about it. It's not like you go planning to sabotage somebody. But if you, if I'm really envious of you, I'm not going to give you things that I think are going to help give make you have a good time or right. bring you more accolades. I'm going to do everything I can: gossip, slander, tailbear, bear, to 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 take you down, produce uncertainty in the teammates, etc. So stop comparing.
0: I know a few people like that in our life.
1: <laughs> and start start appreciating, you know, like appreciate people's gifts and learn from them. That's I mean, you can't learn if you're envious. That's the problem.
0: Okay, so I am jealous of some people, but I'm not envious of people. Yeah, you don't you feel like have, you don't want different. good things to happen for other people? No, I do, but I, no, wait, That's envy. what? Okay, yeah. so I'm envious of, but I'm not- I think jealous. you're more envy than less jealous. Yeah. You like, just
2: want to block the good things for other people. No,
0: no, I but there are people that who I look at and I go, like, <laughs> I wish I had that.
2: Well, we have a saying
1: in our house. If I start talking about you, in our in our house, in our company too, it's a 48-hour rule. So if I say something that's negative about you or that brings doubt about you in the company, that my partner or I or somebody on the team will say, Yeah, have you talked to have you talked to Aaron about that? And if I said no, you, it'd be simple. 48 hours on wow. means 48 hours. You talk to him or I go talk to him.
2: Wow. That's I good. I like that rule. I like that too. Okay. I like that. I like that too. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a very good rule. Oh, this is a very interesting one. I um, and I know you're a guy, so I don't know if you can fully answer it, but I pro- you probably can. Yeah. How do you keep the peace with a female boss that feels threatened by you? I mean, I've definitely experienced that. I don't know if you have too, Sarah, but for women, there's a lot of times that just other women, we don't like to see each other succeed and it's hard when that's your boss.
1: Yeah, well, that that's a good question. One, you got to ask yourself if you're willing to take the high road and continue to try to really connect and communicate. If you don't believe you can do that and you don't trust them, you don't do yourself a service by staying. Right. But you got to really vet it. That's what a coach is for. That's what we do because there's so many possibilities that people don't see in the, you know, we always act on the best, the best possibility we see the best choice. We always make the best choice we see available, but we don't always see the best choice that's available. Mm. We, we see the best choice that fits in our worldview and any better choice that's outside our worldview will first present itself as a threat. And so, yeah, You got to look at the threats first as possibilities. That's one way to start breaking out of that.
0: How do you step into a role you've been promoted to? And I think that's like that's a little vague. Like I wonder if maybe the person has a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, do I deserve this? Or the other. Yeah, we, every,
1: Everybody suffers from the, you ought to have imposter syndrome.
0: Oh, So that's good to have imposter syndrome.
1: That's right. You, but you, be, you're going to be awkward, You're going but keep going, keep talking, and be honest, you know, at times, you know, but you act as if that's what you're doing because they've promoted you, but you're going to feel imposter for a while.
0: Right. So if you come into that new position, is it endearing to say to people in the boardroom or in the office, like, I'm a little nervous, it's day one, or do you not, or does that signal weakness on the first day?
1: um yeah i give up being new fast because new becomes a reason why i'm not competent but i if i'm nervous i might tell somebody i'm working with i'm nervous or you know ask them for help ask for i ask for what i need and by the way that's the way you connect with people people can give something you need by that's how you begin connecting to them they feel Mm. like they're they're helpful even though you feel vulnerable but you are going to feel awkward
0: yeah. Someone okay, wait, wait. someone said, sorry, I just someone said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Like mm. always surround yourself with people who you're not afraid to learn from. Like th- that's a beautiful thing. And I've had to learn that the hard way because I always wanted to be the smartest in the room. I always wanted to sound smart. I always wanted people to think I was smart. And that's now true. I really have no problem being like, wait, what did that? I don't know. What is that word? What, what is that? You know, I, I'm trying yeah, yeah. To, to do that more than pretending like I know it's very uncomfortable yeah. and hard though.
1: Yeah. That you, you've got to be, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not going to get better. You know, I, sometimes I'm Adrian and I walk out of a room and go, we got to get on We got to study. We got to get on this. We're like, we. I, I went out and started studying balance sheets so I could read them. Right. Just because I wasn't keeping up with the conversation. So yeah, man, that, you I just got to identify it and go for it. Okay. If you are not humble, you won't get, you won't grow, you won't yeah. transform, you won't move up to the next level.
2: Yeah, I think it's very clear from everything you are saying that vulnerability is such a huge asset for you as a leader um, to stay vulnerable. And it's, it's. I think that our culture tells us to never be vulnerable as a leader or as a coworker because it's so scary because we equate it to admitting fault and weakness. But it seems like vulnerability is a real strength.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why we don't see a lot of great leaders. Because that's
2: so interesting that is interesting. I can
1: I can be vulnerable and still stand. Of course, I, I can I can stand and say you know I don't know if this is the right thing, but I'm standing it because I believe it. You know? It's actually can, so much
2: more powerful. I mean, it makes you people respect you so much more. There's nothing worse than seeing a leader standing up there saying how amazing he is, what a great job he did, that he's never made any mistakes, he was never wrong. Because you look at it and you go. All, you look so insecure.
1: The biggest problem with politics: these guys are phonies. It's just not the guy who stands up and who's authentic is going to wo- he's going to move people, right? Yes. And Other people are going to use it against them, but that's all right. Hey, you go ahead use it.
2: Mm-hmm. But th-
1: th- you know what you're going to get? You think that other people don't have faults?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You
1: don't think they make mistakes or they don't see things. It's going to happen.
0: That's why we've, the world's fallen in love with Zelensky. He's standing up there going, help. I need help. Mm-hmm. Like, help us. Like, I'm not Please. asking for help from Switzerland. I'm asking for help. Like, here. I'm here. I'm in the center of things and we need help. Mm-hmm. It's true. He's phenomenal. There's a
1: lot going on, man. There's a, there's a lot going on. So a mess. That I think that
2: mess. the best, most all-encompassing question to end on um, I don't want to end I never want to end I, I can okay. keep talking for four hours Sarah has a hard time with it well there's two things that are going to come after this well first of all we're going to have to have you on a for a part two because I know people are going to love this love um, to and
1: I, I want to have you on ours if you wouldn't mind oh yeah we l- love to yeah, love- the, the naked leadership podcast well,
2: Dan, I was just about to ask you after I asked my last question for you to promote your podcast because I know that people are going to want to know where to find you. So I'm going to wrap up and give you an opportunity to explain all the ways that people can find you and your podcast. And we'd love to do it. And we'd love to be on your podcast. And and just first, our last question, which is kind of, I mean, we've probably tackled it, but really is what is the biggest mistake that people make in leadership?
1: Thinking they have to have all the answers.
2: That is really good.
1: I say you need all the right questions. They, then you'll find the answers.
2: Amazing. Okay, Dan, tell everybody where they can find you, listen to you, where your work is. Give it to us.
1: Spotify, Apple, the Naked Leadership Podcast. It's Naked Leadership because it's we have conversations that leaders don't generally have. So it's vulnerable. People are willing to talk we do we we have some we interview people but we also all just talk amongst ourselves so there's a number of different types we have over 100 episodes out wow and uh, it's been growing rapidly so i'm excited what
2: if somebody wants to hire you what if somebody wants to use you for conflict resolution in their company in their relationship in their work how do people find you
1: um you can go to um don't dm him yeah you could uh, dan just you you could actually email me dan we are we have we are revenant um that's the um we have Tng but the best way to contact me is dan at takenewground.com
0: yeah and we'll post that we'll write it out yeah, dan we'll, yeah. at
1: take the ground because we have a bunch of sites you know but the
2: best way to I,
1: contact me directly
0: yeah you I guys are know. major you're you've, you're very a humble man but you guys are like well ri- I really, really do major. let's
2: just I want to be I want to be open and honest about this right now I really do think that Sarah and I would benefit by speaking to you once a month and doing a coaching sessions with you. Are you are you available and interested? I would to coach love us? to do
1: that with you guys. Let's just talk. Let's talk offline. We'd be happy to do okay. that.
2: Okay, I really think that would be really good it. for us. Okay, very effective. Great. Well, Dan, this was I I I you did not disappoint. This is no. an amazing episode. Oh, Thank thanks. you for being so open and so helpful. You genuinely helped Sarah and I, and I know that people are going to benefit a lot just by proxy. And um, we're so grateful for you taking the time.
1: Well, I'm honored and humbled that you would ask me to be on your... I, when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, wow, I'm honored. This is, oh,
2: that's so nice. Well, so thank you. If you like this podcast, leave a written, and I love you.
0: This podcast is executive produced can by... Do not use that voice? I'm sorry, I'm trying
2: to sound... Yeah, but you don't need to make it sexy. This podcast is executive produced by... Be, can you, do you have a normal voice? Yeah. Aaron Foster... Sarah Foster and Allison Bresnick. Okay, I'll take over. Our, Our associate, associate producer is Montana McBierney. See? Our audio engineer is Josh Windish. This show is hosted by Simplecast. See, that didn't sound nice. Oh, that sounded great.